Before we get going here, I just want to say it's a bona fide miracle that Adam Overman made it to uh, adulthood, being that there were buckets of marbles falling from the sky. Unbelievable. Anyways, um, we are in this series, uh, Cradle to the Cross. Cradle to the Cross. Basically, what it is that we're attempting to do is to journey through this process of not only seeing the, the, uh, the evidence and the presence of God, God incarnate as, as baby Jesus, but then the journey then of why it is he came in the first place. And namely, to, to then sacrifice himself as a ransom for our sins on the cross. And so we are, we are moving over the course of this series we are moving from the cradle, from the manger that, that is, you know, on some of our shelves and under some of our trees. You know, we got those cute nativity scenes. We're moving from, from that to this and understanding and seeing, reminding ourselves the relationship between the cradle and the cross. So last week we talked about we talked about the Christmas tree, you know, this, this thing that, that is in many of our houses and, you know, it's out there in the commons. We got a couple up here and we were just inundated with Christmas trees over the course of the Christmas season. And last week we talked about the lowly Christmas tree stand, right? This sad, depressing Christmas tree stand. How it is that, that we have this Christmas tree stand that we put the tree into, regardless of whether it's a fake one or a real one, and then we cover the stand, right, with, a, with some sort of special cloth or whatever like, like that, and, and then we start decorating it, putting lights and ornaments and all that stuff on it. And so when we see the Christmas tree, we ooh and we ah and we marvel at all the pretty things on it, but we don't pay attention to what is actually holding it up and how without the Christmas tree stand that the whole tree would fall over. So regardless of all the pretty things that you put on it, if it didn't have the stand, it would fall over. And, and then we talked about that in relation to the, the cradle, to the manger, to baby Jesus. How, how baby Jesus is essentially the Christmas tree stand that holds everything upright. Meaning that without the birth of Jesus, but specifically how Jesus as an infant and then throughout the remainder and entirety of his life here on earth was 100% God and 100% man, that he had two natures in one. And so when we, when we look at Jesus, baby Jesus, you know, goo goo gaga Jesus in the manger, we don't see a baby, we see God. God. Which, which then shines a whole new light on the cross. We talked about this last week. Because if it's God on the cross, and if it's a matter of Jesus being 100% God and then limiting, limiting, self-limiting his, his, his deity, self-limiting what his true power is, and, and knowing that at any moment as he hung on that cross, he could release himself. He could end it. 
but yet deciding to remain for the sake of you and me. That begins to shed light on the work of Jesus and that little baby that, that lay asleep in that manger in a way that maybe we hadn't seen it before. And so today, as we're furthering in this journey from the cradle to the cross, we're now going to take another step. We're going to look at the ministry of Jesus. But specifically, specifically we're going to look at, at a, an encounter in the book of Mark where Jesus interacts with two very different people. And how it is that Jesus communicates to those two people and how it is then that those two people respond to Jesus and ultimately how that can inform and should inform our approach to Jesus this Christmas. Now, maybe you've used the term or you've heard it. Put a, you're going to put a stake in it. Y'all know this term, right? I mean, you've heard it, you've said it. You know, when you say that or when you hear someone else say that, you're going to put a stake in the ground. You're going to put a stake in the ground. When someone says this or you say it, you're implying that you're making a big move to get something started. And so we're going to see how Jesus does just this in this particular encounter. He's, we're going to see how that as we progress through this process of, of journeying through the, from the cradle to the grave, how Jesus in this encounter, he puts a stake in the ground and shows us how we can move forward. And we're going to explore and understand even more how it is that Jesus wants, to us, wants us to approach this Christmas season. So Jesus has a big move to get our minds and hearts on track. And we see that specifically in this encounter in Mark chapter 3. Now Mark is the second book in the New Testament. You can turn there. I invite you to turn to Mark chapter 3. And if you have your Bibles, great. If not, there's some in front of you or your Bible app. Or I give you complete permission to cheat and look in the screen. Totally cool. Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Mark chapter 3. Verses 1 through 6. We're going to read this encounter. It's a very short encounter. We're going to read this together, and then we're going to begin to unpack. All right. So starting with verse 1. Another time Jesus went into the synagogue, which was uh, the, the Jewish place of worship, went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them, uh, the them in this instance, in this encounter, are the Pharisees. Uh, you know, the, the kind of the Darth Vader of the Bible, whatever. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if Jesus would heal this deformed man on the Sabbath. Because that was, that was against the religious Jewish rules. But Jesus says to the man, the man with the, the, the shriveled hand, he says, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, them being the Pharisees, he says, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life 
or to kill. But they, the Pharisees, remained silent. Jesus looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. And then he says to the man, the man with the shriveled hand, he says, stretch out your hand. So the man with the shriveled hand, he stretches it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Okay. Now, as we, as we look to unpack this, there are three characters in this story. Three characters, and thus we're going to look at these three characters. They are Jesus, the Pharisee, there were, there were more than one, but we're going to treat it as one. The Pharisee, and then the deformed man, the man with the shriveled hand. Those are the three characters that we see in these six verses in this encounter. And so we're going to look at all three of these characters and then see how they, how they relate and motivate and should motivate us to respond. So the first character. The first character in this encounter is Jesus. Now, in each of these characters' lives, they were all looking for something. They are all actively looking for something in this encounter. And Jesus, what was he looking for? Well, Jesus was looking for who it is that he could save, who it is that he could restore. Jesus himself, when he tells people why it is that he's even on this planet, he says in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, he says, I came to seek and save the lost. It's as simple as that. So Jesus was actively looking for who it is that he could save. So in this encounter, in Jesus' ministry, he, he walks into this situation, and he at once, he provides a means of restoration for both the Pharisee and the deformed man. And as such, it was within reach for both of them. And all they needed to do was to reach out and, and grab it. It was as if both the Pharisee and the deformed man were, were in the ocean and the waves were crashing in on them and Jesus threw out a life preserver and within reach of both the Pharisee and the deformed man, that restoration was available for both. Both the deformed man and the Pharisee were in need of being restored. Both the deformed man and the Pharisee were in need of being restored. The deformed man needed restoration for his hand. The Pharisee needed restoration for his heart. And Jesus gave the Pharisee he gave the Pharisee an opportunity to respond, and we saw that in verses 3 through 4, where it says, Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. And then Jesus asked them, the, the Pharisees, he said, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill, but they remained silent. So Jesus not only gave the, the, the Pharisee an opportunity to respond, but then he gave the deformed man an opportunity to respond when he, said, when he said, stretch out your hand in verse 5. But 
what's important to understand as we flesh this out further is that both the Pharisee and the deformed man chose to respond very different, differently from one another. So let's, let's look at that. Let's look at how it is that the both of them responded. So the Pharisee. That's the second character in this encounter. Now the Pharisee, very different than Jesus. Jesus was looking for who it is that he could save, who it is that he could restore. But the Pharisee was looking for who it is he could blame. The Pharisee was looking at who it is he could point his finger at. The Pharisee was looking for who it is he could find fault in. You see, at, th- at this time, uh, the Pharisees were watching Jesus so closely. They were wanting and waiting for Jesus to screw up so that they could literally say, Aha! We got you! They were trying to trap him and trick him. But not only were they looking for finding fault in Jesus, but their, their focus on finding fault in Jesus kept them then from seeing the needs of others. The Pharisees didn't notice. Either intentionally or unintentionally, the deformed man, they didn't notice him, or even worse, they didn't care. And then to make matters worse, much worse, the Pharisees were given a chance to respond to Jesus' opportunity for restoration, but instead, it says that they remained silent. They refused to change and become restored. And then, to make matters even worse, Instead of rejoicing in the restoration that Jesus was able to bestow upon the man with the shriveled hand, the deformed man, instead of rejoicing in that, they became, the Pharisees, even more resolute in taking Jesus down. See, the Pharisee needed restoration too. They needed restoration of the heart. The Pharisees in this encounter... They are described as having stubborn hearts. Now the Greek word for this, this this description of stubborn is porosis, which means blindness. What does that mean? It, It means that because the Pharisees were dead set on finding the faults of others, Specifically and namely Jesus, they were blind. They were blind to the restoration needed in their own life, and they were then also subsequently blind to the needs of others around them. Pharisees in this instance, in this encounter, had hard hearts. They wanted desperately to find fault in Jesus. They wanted desperately to point their fingers at him, which resulted then in silence and apathy towards those who needed help. Which then resulted in Jesus being angry and in distress 
towards their response. Jesus further explains in Matthew 13, verses 14 and 15, his attitude towards those who would see him and others this way. Jesus says in those verses, you will ever be hearing, but never understanding. You will ever be seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. So the first character, Jesus, in this encounter, looking actively looking for who it is he could save, who it is he could restore. And then the second character in this encounter, the Pharisee actively looking for who to blame, who to find fault in. Well, there's the third character, and that is the deformed man. But what, is, what was he looking for? The deformed man was actively looking for who it is he could trust. The deformed man had most certainly been ignored for some time. And he was waiting, most likely, just waiting for someone to notice him and to help him in some way. And here's the interesting part of this encounter. Jesus immediately noticed him. Imagine if that was you. Or at least try to picture this man in this encounter. Here he is, completely unnoticed for who knows how long. And then this, 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 this guy who everybody's talking about, the talk of the town, the, the most, most uh, discussed individual around, comes into the picture and immediately notices you and then tells you to stand up in front of everybody. Imagine that. And that's what happens. Jesus comes in and immediately notices the deformed man. And not only only was he immediately noticed by Jesus, but Jesus had him stand up. And then notice the deformed man's immediate response. He responded to Jesus' call to stretch out his hand. See, just like the Pharisees, the deformed man needed restoration, right? And not knowing what to expect, but wanting so desperately to trust in someone or something, he followed Jesus' instruction immediately and stretched out his hand. And then the deformed man's hand was miraculously and immediately restored. Because of the deformed man's awareness of his own need for restoration, he was able to see Jesus for who he is. Jesus being the one who provides restoration. I want you to hear that. Because the deformed man was aware of his own need for restoration, 
he was then able to see Jesus as the one who provides restoration. You see, when we become aware of our own need for restoration, we stop looking at the faults of others. We stop pointing our fingers at other people. And instead, we see Jesus as the one who restores first us. Our attitudes and hearts, then they become synonymous with what Jesus further describes in Matthew 13 and 16 17 where he says, but blessed are your eyes because they see, your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see but did not see it and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. See, Jesus is the one who restores. He is in the business of restoration. He came to seek and to save, to make what was broken whole again. That is who Jesus is. And whether or not you are aware of your own need for restoration determines whether or not you see that in Jesus. See, some here today are like the deformed man. You're like this man with the shriveled hand. You are well aware of your need for restoration. You are well aware of your need for help, for wholeness, for joy, for hope. You're well aware of it. And you're desperately trying to find something or someone to put your trust in. Let me tell you here today that Jesus sees you you are immediately visible to Him. He sees your need. And He wants so desperately to be the source of your restoration. And He's telling you, stretch out your hand. Stretch out your hand. So that He can immediately restore it. some of you here because I've been there I like the Pharisee for whatever reason maybe it's maybe what's been done to you maybe it's things that you've done experiences you've had disappointments that have mounted up, frustration that just seems unshakable, whatever the case may be, you're transfixed on finding fault in others. That you're, you're so encumbered with the frustration or anger or disappointment 
or bitterness that comes with life. I get it. But because you're so focused on that, that you're not aware of your own desperate need for restoration. You're blind. You're blind to the fact that you need to be restored. And you're blind to the needs of others around you. And just like the Pharisee, Jesus is saying the same thing to you as he said to the deformed man, stretch out your hand. Stretch out your hand. And then he promises to immediately restore it. I want to ask that you would bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to take this moment and invite you to respond. If you're like the deformed man, if you're like that man with the shriveled hand, and you need no help in understanding your need, you need no help in understanding that you are in need of restoration. And you have been trying so hard to find something and someone in, you, in, in which you can place your trust. I want, I want you to know Jesus is that person. And he's asking you in this moment, stretch out your hand. In just a moment, I want to invite you to do that in just a moment. And for those of you with, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if, if, you, if you are like I've been, like the Pharisee, and you become blind to your own need for restoration, that you've been so encumbered and focused on your frustration, on your, on your disappointment, your anger, your, your inability to forgive that bitterness and instead being able to have this moment where you say no okay I get it I need to be restored and Jesus is saying the same thing to you here in this moment he's saying stretch out your hand and I will restore so what I want to do is if, if that's if that's you, if you're either that, that man with the shriveled hand or you're that Pharisee and today is a moment that, and a time in which you want to, to actively respond to Jesus, then on the count of three, I want you to stretch out your hand. I want you to physically stretch out your hand and then we'll pray together. One, two, three. Jesus. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Father, this Christmas, I want to see you as who you truly are. Not, not just a baby lying in a manger, but the one who came to seek and to save, to restore. And Jesus, you are worthy of my praise. 
And today, I ask, I ask that you, as I've stretched out my hand, that you would restore what is broken. And I trust and know that you will immediately respond. You see me. You see me, Jesus. And you can and will restore me. Open my eyes and help me to see the needs of those around me and to not hesitate to respond. I stretch out my hand. Thank you for restoring me. I pray this in your name.